0: Now we're going to continue our study on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And if you're coming in tonight, I hope it's not too much over your head. You can go to our website and I have put up the first uh, kind of sets of notes from the last uh, two PowerPoints. Uh, we're still getting into a little bit of the theology and pneumatology. So a little bit of some, some depth uh, tonight. But next week on Sunday night, when we're moving forward, it's going to get very practical. So we're laying the foundation to be able to build on. And tonight we're going to look a little bit more into the subject of uh, the Holy Spirit and His work with the prophets and then prophecies regarding the Christ, the Messiah, who is to come. So that's what we're going to dig into. So if you've been, I'm going to get back backtrack a little bit. If you've been missing notes, and I know some of you said, oh, you went too quick and we didn't get all the information, you can go on the website and look at it right now and, I'm probably going to have to reorganize it. The way that I have it, it's going to look like a mess if I keep doing it the way it is. But I got the slides up, um, and I think you'll see when you, when you go on the website what it looks like. But if you go on the website and you go under Messages, you can go down and look at Holy Spirit, the study on the Holy Spirit. And hopefully I'm going to add some more to it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to link the audio over to it as well, but we used to get a lot of emails and phone calls from different congregations wanting to use that material that was published in Jacksonville on Dean Rhodes' website. So I'm happy to be updating it and be able to provide it again, and maybe in some more detail, and maybe be useful to others as they're looking to teach on the subject. So tonight we're, we're again looking at the Holy Spirit. So what should Christians presume about the Holy Spirit? I don't think we should presume anything. As we looked at at the very beginning, our first lesson was on identifying the Holy Spirit. And we looked at a number of scriptures that talks about the Holy Spirit speaking through scripture, speaking through the prophetic writers of the Bible. And so how does God's spirit speak to his church and to his people? And we've emphasized and I've emphasized this, that Christ said to his apostles that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth. And we need to be very, very careful today to think that I have the Holy Spirit directly speaking to me. And so I don't need the Bible or I don't need other revelation or that I myself am the main source of of truth or that I've got a, a, a truth that's equal to the to the scriptures. And Jesus said all truth will come. And he told that to his apostles. Did it happen? I believe that it did. And so if all truth revealed by the Holy Spirit came through the apostles, through the biblical writers, like we read about also in Ephesians chapter 3, 3 through 5, that talks about the Holy Spirit as well, speaking through the apostles and prophets, then I need to be very, very careful about making any other assumptions about what the Holy Spirit, what he is saying to me. And as we go along, we're going to look more and more into detail on this. And so we want to be very, very careful on the subject. We talked about, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, that there are different church groups out there. You've got uh, the Roman Catholic Church, whose leader, the Pope, is claiming direct guidance by the Holy Spirit. The whole church, for that matter, uh, in the Roman church. And you might look at other churches, like within Mormonism, and different churches who are claiming direct guidance by the Holy Spirit. And you can see that a lot of things they're saying are at conflict. But one thing I do know is this, is that, if I want to know what the Holy Spirit is saying, I can go to Scripture. Acts chapter 2, you have a quotation there. It says, the Holy Spirit says, and, and Peter quotes from the Psalms, quotes from David. And we can see that in, in Acts chapter 28 as well. It's in the book of Hebrews, as I recall, in chapter 3 and then chapter 10, where the writer says, the Holy Spirit says and then quotes Scripture. So if you want to know what the Holy Spirit is saying, we want to start there. And again, I would remind you as well, 2 Peter chapter 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit guided the writers of the Scriptures. I want to know what the Holy Spirit is doing, what He is doing. I want to read the Bible and read the Scriptures, and He will tell us how He operates. So, what are some indications that someone possesses the Spirit of God? And so, if we're looking specifically at prophets, a prophet is someone who speaks forth God's Word, and as we're going to see tonight... He is guided by the Holy Spirit. When we looked at Moses, we looked at Moses last week. Moses had the Holy Spirit upon him. And there's a very curious passage there in Numbers where God says, I'm going to take part of the measure of the Spirit that's upon you and put it on the 70 elders. There's also another passage of the Spirit being given to Joshua. And so we see God's Spirit directly leading them. There are other passages in the Bible I don't want to overlook as we're going through here, but I do want to note them. For instance, Genesis 41 and verse 38, Pharaoh recognizes that Joseph is able to tell him what his dreams are and interpret them because he's guided by the Spirit of God. And therefore, the Pharaoh uh, concludes that Joseph is an ideal man being guided by the Spirit of God to be leading and helping to, to guide Egypt. We also see this with another prophet, Balaam. And you remember when Balaam is, uh, Balak's trying to get him, King Balak of the, of the um, was it the Midianites? As I recall, you can correct me later. It's either Moabites or Midianites, but they're all mixed together in, in that text. And so King Balak's trying to persuade Balaam to curse Israel. And three times he goes to curse them, and he says, I can't do it, and he blesses them. Now, Balaam ultimately ends up cursing Israel, but not verbally, not as a prophet. He does it by giving indication, well, if you get these women to come and seduce them at Baal Peor, then they'll go and worship these false gods and and fall away. And so Balaam does sin in that sense. But again, you can look in Numbers 24 and get more details about Balaam being guided by God's spirit. And therefore, he's not going to speak. He should not, if he's really being guided by God's spirit, uh, curse God's people. All right, so those who taught God's Word by the Spirit, they're prophets. The Holy Spirit gives them revelation. Prophet, Greek word, prophet, prophetes, means to speak forth revelation. Not just predicting the future, but speaking forth revelation. Not everyone is a prophet. Not everyone is an apostle. And when we open our Bible and we see Jesus talking to the apostles in John chapter 14 through 16, that is the probably the the most misused section of Scripture in all the Bible in regards to the Holy Spirit. Because people will say, well, that's me. Well, you need to be very careful there because if you go and you read John 14 and verse 26, John 15, verse 26, John 16, 12 through 16, and you look in that context, that last night of Jesus before Jesus is going to die the next day, He's going to be betrayed that night. He's giving his apostles final instruction, telling them, if I go to then you're going to receive the promise of the Spirit who's going to guide you in all truth. Some say those who have the Spirit must prophesy, they must speak in tongues and or hear God's voice speaking to them. So there, there should be a distinction made. There is the Holy Spirit guiding someone and speaking directly to someone that we read about in the Bible, a, a prophet who speaks forth the word. Then you've got us, all Christians today, in which the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He's with us, and he strengthens us, the Bible says. And he does great works. Now, when we were studying First Corinthians, we saw this in chapter 12. Not everyone had the ability to speak in tongues a lot of churches today they will say, well, if you have the Holy Spirit, then you've got to speak in tongues. But you go read the last three verses of 1 Corinthians 12. And it says some people had the gift of prophecy and some had the gift of this. And that was the Holy Spirit working directly upon them in the first century, giving them those gifts. Those gifts were passed down, number one, by the apostles laying on of hands. And when the apostles have passed away, who's going to lay on hands and to pass on those gifts? It was Those are gifts that were given directly from God for that purpose of the apostles having all truth, revealing it, and giving that revelation to humanity in the first century. So all truth, again, came through those apostles. Next week, we're going to look more in detail about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what the Bible has to say about it, how the Holy Spirit, again, is working in more detail within our life. And... We're going to just about cover most of the Old Testament passages from last week and and tonight on the subject of the Holy Spirit. But I know there are a few more that are going to come up. For instance, in Ezekiel, as I recall, chapter 36, you have a prophecy and prediction that with the new covenant coming, the New Testament coming, God promises to give His Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of things in the Old Testament looking forward to to receive from God's Spirit. I feel like we need to take a break right now giving you a whole bunch of material so maybe i'll pause for a second but anyways i hope i'm getting i got your attention i don't want to lose you right now all right so i'm going to slow down in a minute but i want you to look here also at ezekiel this is kind of funny you you see some humorous things in the bible and you know how people behave But in this one, if you if you don't, I guess if you're not there to see it, it's kind of a strange thing to to begin to read in the scriptures. But Ezekiel is a prophet and the spirit comes upon Ezekiel and sets him up on his feet. Like picks him up. And if you know about this, and you read Ezekiel, you might be know where I'm going with this. Then God also from that point sent him on a mission. So the Holy Spirit sits on his feet and says, you've got a mission. This is what you're going to do. Ezekiel says this in chapter 3 and verse 14. The Lord lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit and the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. That's his description of God's going to bring me into a vision. And if you read Ezekiel, you read some of those very curious visions that go on and that are depicted there in the book. But again, he he says that once, twice, three times the Spirit has lifted him up. But I want you to look at this one. So God in a vision appeared to Ezekiel in the appearance of a man, uh, like gleaming metal with legs of fire. The symbolism there, um, there might be more to, to take from that, from the symbolism of God. But not that he was a man, of course, but that he had that form. Look at this right here. And I think this is what I'm looking for. Yes. If you're already reading the text, you already know what I'm pointing out here. Ezekiel 8, verse 3, it says, He put out the form of a hand. This appearance of God in this kind of angelic form, like a, the, the angels are often described as spirits of fire. You read about that in the be- end of Hebrews chapter 1. So He put out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head. So, God takes Ezekiel by the hair of his head. Some of y'all are trying to imagine that right now. And maybe it's because that's the kind of what what Ezekiel needed. He needed somebody to pick him up by the lock of his hair. And the Spirit lifted me up between between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north, uh, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy. Now, I know a lot of that's like, what does all that mean? Well, there's an image there that shouldn't be there in Jerusalem. People are worshiping an idol. And Ezekiel, again, is prophesying that that Israel needs to repent of it. But I do want you to see this. I think it was probably the most curious thing in the Bible. See, We see the Holy Spirit lifting up a prophet by his hair between heaven and earth. but Ezekiel accomplishes his mission. He does what he's told to do. Maybe he was younger there and he needed that kind of, I don't know, that kind of discipline. But the Spirit operated with authority over the prophets. And that's one thing. Everything we've been looking at tonight, you see that. And the Bible warns, it says, if a man comes in Deuteronomy, this is what Moses says, Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 20, and he begins to prophesy and say things are going to come about and they don't come about, he's, Moses says there is God speaking through Moses, he's, that prophet's going to die. He won't live. You can't come in the name of God and then uh, continue to lie or that he is to die. Um, whether death is immediate or not, because you, you do have false prophets, you do have others in the scripture who are claiming to be guided by God and yet they lead astray. Now to, to get more in the more practical side, Zechariah talks about this, and there are other passages in the Old Testament as well. And he talks about the Jews who refused to listen to God when they rejected God's words. And he says, they refused to listen to it, but it was sent by His Spirit as He spoke through the prophets. That sounds familiar. It should. It sounds a lot like what Peter said when he spoke about how the prophets were guided by the Spirit. Zechariah 7.12, he says, they made their hearts diamond hard. Isn't that a very vivid description? They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts has sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. God expects his people to listen to the Holy Spirit. How? Through the prophets. And how could they read or or know the former prophets? I kind of gave that away. By reading them, going back and looking at those scriptures. And as we see here in the Bible, again, the Scripture is is the Holy Spirit speaking to God's people. And He has specific men to do that. And it's not everyone's job and ability to do it. Micah has a, a very peculiar description as well. He talks about a time when diviners and seers, and I thought it tied in with this, will no longer hear from God. And you know about Israel's history. And the Bible ends, Malachi, you got over 400 years of no prophets. Where's the Holy Spirit speaking until John the Baptist? And so we read this in Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Therefore, excuse me, Micah chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. I'm confusing the two. Micah chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision, and darkness to you without dimination. You're not going to be able to see because you don't have any guidance from God's prophets who lead you. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the diviners shall be put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. In other words, they become like lepers. They cover their lips. Remember in the book of Leviticus, it says those who had these diseases were to cover their lips. He says, but as for me... I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Micah is saying, the Holy Spirit has sent me to proclaim this with power, justice, and might and to tell Israel their sin. That was his mission. So again, we see the work of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He speaks to the prophets and he's warning God's people. Before we finish tonight, I want to direct your mind toward Christ. So in that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 18, where it warns warns about false teachers, we also read in the Scripture that the Spirit's going to come upon the Messiah, who is the prophet. Who would the Messiah be? Who would the Christ be? What would His connection be with this promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit? What, would the, what should the Jews in the first century have been looking forward to? What should they have be been anticipating about the Holy Spirit? Think about that. And we looked a little bit at this already. But once you look at these, these scriptures, I like this one. Isaiah 11, 1 through 2. I think the last time we read it, we emphasized that the Holy Spirit is a source of wisdom and understanding and knowledge from God. That's what he, he provides and so when the Christ comes, he's going to be a prophet. In to back up, Deuteronomy 18, that passage up there, Deuteronomy 18, 18 through 19, Moses says, the prophet is coming. The prophet. And when you see that phrase in the New Testament and they say, are you the prophet? They're, they're asking, are you the one that Moses said who's going to come, who's going to give commands and be a greater leader than Moses? So there's somebody who's coming who's greater than Moses. And we look in the book of Acts, you see that that the the apostles preached and taught that jesus was that he is the prophet the messiah and so some things we might expect of the messiah isaiah 11 verses 1 through 2 there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of jesse well who's jesse it's david's father right all right so we're talking about david's line we're talking about a king He is a branch, and that's a common term for the Messiah in the book of Isaiah. He is a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. So the Christ is going to come and the Holy Spirit is going to rest upon him. Going to essentially anoint him and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And this scripture goes on and tells us he will judge. He will decide equity for the meek of the earth. He will strike the, the earth with the rod of his mouth. Does that sound familiar? If you read the book of Revelation, it stands out. Christ will come. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. with the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. The power of God's word to convict and to show who is doing right and wrong and who is committing sin. And so... Christ is going to come in that wisdom, wisdom from the Holy Spirit. What will the Messiah bring forth from the Holy Spirit? Let's see right here. Isaiah 42, 1-3. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. It's going to help those who are depressed and downcast. And that's what we see in Christ. We see it in his words. And it's all going to be fulfilled in his final coming as well. So I think about these things and I know as we we ponder them, oftentimes we think of Jesus, we might think of the, the stories we read about in the Gospels. Maybe we try to simplify our our view and our understanding of them. I think we all do that. Whenever we read something in the Bible and it gets kind of deep and complicated, we want to make it simple where we can understand it and carry it with us. I I do that as best I can. Well, what relationship do we see here? What what should Christians perceive about Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? One thing we see very clearly is when Christ comes, the Spirit's going to be speaking through him. He is the prophet of all prophets. He is greater than Moses. And he's going to bring about a wonderful state in the world. As we we read our Bible and we think about Luke chapter 3, remember the account here, when all the people were baptized, when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove and a voice from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We see these things things fulfilled with Christ. We also see uh, descriptions like in Acts chapter 10 where Christ is anointed. Who's anointed in the Bible? Well, Prophets, priests, and kings. Well, Jesus, the Messiah, he is anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. The Spirit with Jesus. The Spirit led Jesus after his baptism into the wilderness. He was tempted there. But he also came back out from the temptation by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with Christ. If anybody knows anything about the Holy Spirit, it is Jesus Christ. And so the more that we study this and we look at what Christ has to say, I think a greater impact it should have on us. And after Jesus came out of the wilderness by the power of the Holy Spirit, he went into the synagogue there in in, in Nazareth and he began reading. And he read from Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. And this is what it says. This sounds familiar. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here you have a prediction that Christ is going to do wonderful miracles, wonderful works, helping those who are desperate and helping to heal them. And he does so by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is about revealing Jesus as the Christ. He is that prophet. He speaks through the scriptures. If you want to read more about that, you can go to Romans chapter 1. I know I've given you a lot tonight. Um, I want to look at this other passage here as well. First Peter 1 Peter 1:10 through 11 kind of sums this up for us. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours... Search and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. What I'd bring your attention to here is that all everything that we've seen in the Bible and everything that the Holy Spirit has revealed in the Scriptures by the prophet, that is Christ at work. It is His Spirit. It is the Spirit of Christ. And this is not the only place in the New Testament where you read the description of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Christ, God's anointed one and our Savior. So, After considering the Scriptures about the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, what should we expect in the New Testament? We're going to see a lot of similarities. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and then we're going to see how He strengthens us and dwells within each one of us. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within you, does it mean that you are a prophet and that you, you're receiving directly all truth. That is a great assumption. So I encourage you, make no assumptions about the Holy Spirit. I told you it would be a little deep tonight, so I gave you fair warning. All right. We want to conclude tonight with these scriptures right here. Do you have the Spirit of Christ? This is also what the Bible says. If you don't have the Holy Spirit you're not saved. You're not saved. Paul says, Romans 8 and verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And as we've seen before, Acts 2 and verse 38 tells us that we need to be repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you tonight, if you've been baptized into Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. He's not dwelling within you. You don't have the many blessings that come from him. You need to be baptized. If you're baptized in his name, you'll be made holy. You'll be made sanctified. Your sins will be washed away. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. We shouldn't overlook that. The Holy Spirit is active and working among his his people today in the church. And there's no reason why we should ever minimize what the Holy Spirit is, is doing but we need to understand what he is doing, not change it, not alter it, not misuse it. Tonight, if you need prayers and encouragement, you need to obey the gospel, I encourage you to come right now while we stand, while we sing.